Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Welcome back to The Call Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. He's your host, Jack McMullen. And we've got a lot of World Baseball Classic stuff to recap, but this time on a prospect lens. We've been talking about the World Baseball Classic, a ton on the Just Baseball show. It's one of the best weeks of our baseball lives, I think we could say, pretty easily. It was really awesome. But also from a prospect lens, Jack... It was it was just endless. All of the talent that we got to see, whether it was from Samurai Japan or even some of the younger players on Team Canada, on Team Israel, just across the board. Yeah, well, you can scrap the word baseball. I think that was one of the best weeks of my life flat out. That was just awesome. And like baseball happened to be a really big part of that. Um, Yeah, it was really cool. And we did a lot of really unique content like we vlogged for the first time in our life. I never thought I would be a vlogger, but here we are as vloggers. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. But yeah, there was a lot of intrigue. And of course, you know, we got a a literal front row seat to Roki Sasaki and and Munetaka Murakami. But, you know, we we also watched a bunch of other guys in pool play that stood out and, and a lot of real prospects that are affiliated. Like Sasaki, yes, is a prospect. But, you know, you're not necessarily going to look at him and say, Oh, well, you know, he's he's a triple A guy right now. No, he's probably in a hundred million dollar major league starter right now. And he's going to be a two hundred million dollar starter when he gets posted in five years Um, with a bunch of other guys. You know, we're watching a Sal Freelicker and Edouard Julien, even a guy like a Denzel Clark, Erno and Casey, who are farther away. It was a really good tournament for that. How about even a Carlos Hernandez? Um, and, And that was one where like. Let's give ourselves a, a call up pat on the back here because we were talking about all of the prospects we hit on Nicaragua and we said, look out for Carlos Rodriguez and, and Carlos Rodriguez was spectacular. Uh, I mean, this guy absolutely shoved uh, for Nicaragua. And what, what's amazing is that he actually might be a factor for the Brewers in their system in terms of one of their more intriguing pitching prospects. Uh, Rodriguez was nasty uh, with, with the change up, with the fastball kind of jumping out of his hand. Like there was just a lot of guys that maybe you wouldn't really have on your radar as much that impressed. And then what I really loved was being able to see up close and personal some of the other prospects on Samurai Japan or players, I should say, because, you know, some of them are older, but may, may get posted and may come over later that maybe yeah. don't get as much of the fanfare because of the big names, like you mentioned, like Murakami, Sasaki, and even a Yoshida, who is going to technically be a prospect ranked in our top 100. Man, it, it was fun because we get to see these guys take batting practice too. Where, where do you want to start? Do we start with Sasaki? Because 
I, I know we're going to kind of go team by team, some of the prospects and like how they fared overall, but I kind of yeah. want to start with who we saw in person uh, yeah. because Sasaki, I mean, th- this was probably for, for both of us, maybe the most excited we've been in a while to see somebody pitch or, or play baseball that we hadn't seen yet. Yeah, I think so. Like I, I had never seen Otani live, so I was just really excited to see Shohei Otani play baseball live, but I, I can tell you, you know, with with full full confidence that I was more excited to watch Roki Sasaki pitch than I was to watch Mike Trout or Mookie Betts hit in yeah. person, which yeah. is really weird. But that's because of the unknown and because we've heard so many positive things about Roki Sasaki. And we knew that the first pitch of the game could be 99, could be 100. Guess what? First pitch of the game was 101. And the first yeah. hitter he saw, he struck out on an 102 mile an hour fastball that took off like an absolute rocket ship to throw it right past the hottest hitter in the world in Randy Arozarena. Yeah, I mean, Sasaki, Murakami, Yamamoto, I'd, I'd love to start with here because those are the guys that, you know, are prospects, but not. And, and you mentioned Yoshida, like you're going to have a guy in your top 100 list, I guess, because Yoshida is going to be a top 100 prospect that set the WBC record for RBIs in a tournament, but he's 30, you know, like, is he a prospect? Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good plan. Sasaki, Murakami, Yamamoto, and then the rest we can go pool by pool. So just starting with Sasaki, because he he really is a prospect. He's 21, um, yeah. you know, and would probably be, uh, not even probably, would undoubtedly be the number one pitching prospect in baseball if if he was in affiliated ball right now. It's it's that simple. First pitch of the game to your point to Randy Rosarena was 101. He punches him out on 102. But it's not just 101, 102. It's it's got life. There was 20 inches of induced vertical break on the fastball. It's it's probably close to an 80 grade. It probably is almost an 80 grade fastball. Uh, and yeah. that's what makes it amazing that you know Luis Arias was able to actually take him deep. Uh, right. But also just shows you like th- this is a guy that's 21 years old. He literally is a prospect. He's pitched and only the NPB has pitched really well there. But you know, is still learning how to pitch. What was amazing is he had certain at bats. There was one specific at bat with Alan Trejo where he threw four pitches to Trejo. All of them were 100 miles an hour. It was first pitch fastball ball at 101. Second pitch was a strike at 100.4. Third pitch was a, was a ball at 101. And fourth pitch was a ground out at 101. Like, you just don't see that. And, and the fact that he also has this freak splitter, the one thing that stood out to me that that I think is missing, and this is going to be the, the one thing that kind of takes – Sasaki to where he needs to be from that $100 million guy to that $200, $250 million guy is the slider. And and we didn't really see much of it. When we previewed these guys, we talked about Yamamoto as having the more complete arsenal. And I think we saw that exactly here, right? Fastball splitter. Both of those are plus plus pitches. He might have two 70 grade pitches, almost an 80 grade with the fastball now. Um, But to be a successful major league pitcher in terms of the, the ceiling that we're casting on Sasaki that slider is the one thing to monitor watching or moving forward. And he didn't really throw it much in the game. And that was pretty much the only, the only nitpick I could have on what is the, one of the most talented young arms I've ever seen in person. Yeah. So I'm going to counter your negative with another positive for Roki Sasaki, because like this guy, listen, I think we both came away with glowing reviews of him. Yeah. And I said on the just baseball show, I think it was a just baseball show could have been the call up, but I said at the end of last year, I think that Ellie De La Cruz is the most talented non-major leaguer on planet earth right now. Yeah. And I may honestly want to take that back after watching Sasaki <laughs> in person, but I think, 
Ellie De La Cruz and Roki Sasaki are, are one, two in that regard. And that tells you the type of alien that Roki Sasaki is, because we talk about Ellie De La Cruz like he is the second coming. And Sasaki may very well be that. I think Sasaki is the Ellie De La Cruz of pitching. Yeah. The thing is, Cruz does the bad thing at the plate a lot. He strikes out a lot. The bad thing. Yeah. The, right. The bad thing in pitching is walking guys. Sasaki doesn't do that. No. In the WBC, seven and two-thirds innings, 11 punch-outs, two walks. That's his jam. He's never walked guys at any level. I take Sasaki, and we were talking about this, just like sitting there watching him throw. Like, is he the number one prospect in baseball right now if you included him in the top 100? And I think you immediately said yes, and, and I'm right there with you. I think immediate yes for me. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And that that's the scariest part is he's this dominant right now. And again, like that, the one thing that he could get better with is, is the slider, right? Is the breaking ball, which he only throws about 6% of the time because, and this was, you know, in 2022 in the NPB, because he, he just doesn't ha- quite have the feel for it yet. You're telling me if this guy came stateside, he someone couldn't teach him how to spin a slider. Like the, the the difference is, and the NPB, you know, in Japan, they teach a splitter. I think probably before they teach a breaking ball, right? Like oh, that's what's what these guys learn. Um, so with that arm speed, with that arm talent, and also he pounds the strike zone. To your point, seventy three percent strike rate in 2022 on the fastball, seventy percent strike rate on his splitter that doesn't make any sense doesn't make sense if you teach this guy how to spin a breaking ball which he will learn when he comes over he might he might be the best pitcher in baseball it's just that simple that's the one thing missing that's it uh because i think that you had a u.s team that still he handled but they cheated for the fastball dared him to locate the splitter he did for the most part but finally arias caught one right And, and, and that was the difference so I mean, it was everything we could have hoped for, and I think even a little bit more in terms of the talent, especially when you average 101 miles an hour with your fastball. I can't wait for Sasaki to come over, but it's crazy that this kid's far from a finished product. He's only 21 years old. Yeah, I mean, we could be talking about, at at the time, like with how the market is changing, we could be talking about a $300 million pitcher when he comes over, which is absolutely insane. And I'm with you. Jeff Passan, in his preview of Mexico, Japan, on ESPN, called Roki Sasaki, at worst, a Jacob deGrom starter kit. And I got I got texted that quote, and they said, no, no way this is real. Like, that's worst case scenario. And I said, worst case scenario, he is a triple digits fastball a good splitter and he throws strikes. Yep. Worst case scenario. Yeah, that's a, a pitch three guy and with, a half ERA. It's, it's a two, it's a two pitch dominant guy with a freak fastball and good, good command. Like that's going to play. Yeah. Worst case, best case is he is the best pitcher in baseball. I'm with you. We'll stay on the pitching trend because I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about um, Murakami because I yeah. just being able to, to Marvel, you know how I am about hitting in terms of just how much I love to just watch the the biomechanics of these guys. He was a biomechanics masterclass. So I'm going to get into his that. body. Yeah, we'll get. Uh, to he that. knows his body. But how about Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Um, he's going to come over sooner. He's not as physically gifted. He's, he's a little bit smaller at 5'10", 175. He's older at uh, about 24 years old. I love this guy, though. He works quick. He changes his timing. He changes his mechanics a little bit in terms of not mechanics. He changes kind of just the way that he moves so that he can throw the hitter's timing off. And another guy that pounds the strike zone, as we mentioned in, in the, the teaser to the World Baseball Classic, as we kind of like 
you know, ran through each of these prospects. Yamamoto's got the arsenal that's going to translate pretty quickly to the big league level. And I think that we kind of saw that in what we were presented by him in the WBC between the fastball, the splitter, the curveball, and a cutter that he'll mix in there. Pounds the strike zone with all of them, varies his looks. This guy's going to be a middle rotation starter, I think, and just get out when he comes over. Yeah, I, I think that he and Kodai Senga should be spoken about in a very similar breath. I, I think we're talking about Senga as a top flight three in the game already, and we haven't seen him throw a major league pitch. I, I think that is the way that Yoshinobu Yamamoto should be viewed as soon as he comes over as a top flight three. I think he will command similar, if not more money, to Kodai Senga. Senga signed 75. I don't know what his posting fee was. I would assume in the 10 to 15 range, like Seiya Suzuki's. Yeah. Um, but Yamamoto, I mean, I would be okay giving him $75 million, knowing what he can do. More. Um, yeah, I think so too. He's more decorated, hundred... more, and that, right. that matters. It does. It like... does. I. He's probably a Tanaka type deal, 150. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's that's crazy, and and I'd feel safe about it too. Like I don't know if he's going to make that frontline impact, but you're not going to regret it. That's the price of a great three now, man. Look yeah. look at Bassett. Like you're getting a younger Bassett by like six years. Yeah, I he think he probably gets a hundred, like something like that. Cool. And maybe yeah. by the time he comes, then it's one fifty because of the way things have gone year to year. Congratulations on generational wealth, Yoshi Yamamoto. But he. he Appeared in two games, one start in pool play, and he piggybacked off Sasaki in the semi and was excellent off Sasaki in the semi against Japan. Seven and a third innings in total, four hits, two earned, 12 punch outs, two walks. So another guy that pounds the zone, got swing and miss. The the thing that jumped out most to me was, and we were talking about this, he's a timing fuck. Like, yeah. Nobody can time him up. It's the Daisuke Matsuzaka thing, right? Remember when Daisuke was coming over his head and he was varying the pumps over his head before he yep. came to the plate? This is even harder because Yamamoto, he'll take a big step back with his left foot and the righty will wait. He'll yep. come at yep. you a second later, five seconds later, three seconds later, and it's almost a slide step. He doesn't even lift the leg. It's, it's awesome. so hard to time this guy up. I can't imagine being in the box against him. The only word that comes to mind is uncomfortable. He had this absolute miserable uh, at-bat for Alec Thomas, where he was varying not only his looks, but his pitches. This was the one specific at-bat that I wanted to pull up because it was so ridiculous. He did it to Trejo, too. Uh, but Thomas, he ended up striking him out. Trejo, he walked him. He went curveball, cutter, sinker, cutter, curveball, cutter, splitter, splitter. And Dude. in doing so also altered his looks two or three times with his timing. Like that's just so messed up. <laughs> like that's so, so unfair. And then to the point of, of just the competition, the only guys to, to get hits off of him in team Mexico were Randy Rosarena, who got a hit off of everybody in this tournament. Yeah. Alex Verdugo, who it was a, a kind of a weak hit. Uh, it was a weak hit. And then another weak hit from Joey Manessis. Like that was it. Uh, it was one hard hit ball and, and two little Texas leaguers. Like and against one a pretty good line. Yeah, it's one through three in the order. Yeah, I mean th that's that's what this guy did, and then he he just carved through Australia uh, the first time around. It was it was almost unfair. Um, so I, I'm really excited about Yamamoto. That's somebody that you know, if I was ever working for a team, I'd be comfortable like James Click style is saying like I'll put my career on this guy. Like I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but like I have no concern that he's going to be a solid big league arm. Yeah, I, I think so as well, man. Uh, now let's jump to Munetaka Murakami, who struggled. I'll give you the line on him for the entire WBC, but 
his story was written in the semi and the final. It was written across what I, I mean, four innings, right? Because he homered in the front three of the final, and and his story began in in the ninth inning of um, the uh, bottom of the ninth of the semi against Mexico. But seven games for Murakami, he was six for twenty six, which is two thirty one. But he had three doubles, that homer in the championship, six RBIs, six walks, but thirteen punch outs and twenty six plate yeah. appearances, twenty six at bats. Yeah, the punch outs were surprising. I mean, he does strike out a decent amount for the NPB. I think that's something to watch. And, and it's going to be something that he's going to need to probably shore up a little bit more before he comes over. Just turned 23 years old. But we've talked about how he broke the single season home run record, uh, you know, in, in Japan. Uh, but yeah, the, the swing and miss was surprising because I'm watching this guy in BP. The way he controls his lower half, the way that he knows how to move coil over that back leg. He's doing all of these different little practice movements and, and feels before he gets in there and he repeats the moves pretty well. It, it was kind of surprising. Sometimes he just looked rushed up there. Um, yeah. So I, I am interested to see how he continues to adjust from that because you go through the entire WBC. He struck out twice, at least twice in a game, more than he struck out once in a game or less, right? Like he had more multi home run strikeout games than one or less strikeout games. That's concerning, um, especially left on left. That said, the power, if he was a prospect right now, is 70 grade, and it's probably yeah. 80 future. Um, and that's because of how mobile he is, how loose his hips are, and how well he uses that body. That walk-off that he went the other way with, that was, what, 111? 111. And then the home feet. run was hit off the base of the wall. And then the home run was 115. Dude, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, so, I mean, this is this is 70 to 80 power. Um, even if the hit tool is, is fringy and I still have hope that he can get there with the hit tool, it, the power is too ridiculous. He will be an impactful, impactful bat. Uh, and what I really did like too, is that we, we saw this guy overcome some really tough struggles. You mentioned the walk-off man over four before getting into that walk-off position. He said in the post-game presser that he considered bunting and his manager, Koryama said, no. <laughs> you're the home run record holder. You're not bunting. And he didn't bunt. So he ends up pulling the trigger. He fouls one off. And he said in the postgame presser, that was all he needed. He felt better. And he drove a 111 mile an hour uh, oppo gapper. So this is a guy that overcame 0 for 4 with three Ks up to that and comes up in the biggest stage there in the biggest spot and, and eventually leads them, you know, helps lead them to that World Baseball Classic final championship. So it, this to me, that showed a lot of mental wherewithal. I thought that was really yeah. impressive, especially for a guy that did look a little bit lost at times. He still showed that he can produce and he can run into mistakes. And guess what? That's the name of the game for some of the best power hitters in Major League Baseball. Yes. And how do you get over adversity? You know, we talked about that on another pod on the Just Baseball Network, Show and Go with Taylor Davis. We talked about that uh, in regards to Gunnar Henderson. We said, how do you get over the crappy times? Munataka Murakami dealt with crappy times, maybe the crappiest times on the biggest stage of his career, of his life yep. so far. Yep. And how do you bounce back from that? On an even bigger stage, when you have well over half of Japan with their TV sets on, watching you in crunch time in must-win scenarios, killing the ball. That is as as well as that's as well as somebody has overcome adversity on the brightest stage in quite some time. And the the thing that jumped out most to me in regards to Morikami, this dude's built like a fire hydrant. Yeah. I didn't realize he was this cut, yes. but He's a big dude, broad shoulders, 
huge lower half, like insane glutes and quads. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see what this guy does look like when he's 25, 27 years old, because at 23, he's one of the most physically imposing 23-year-olds you will find in the baseball world. And so mobile, man, to be that strong and, and you know, and still have that that fluidity. That's why I think he's going to be able to hedge the strikeout, right? The approach has always been good. Low chase rates in the MPB. Uh, watching him before he would get, you know, in the on-deck circle, just like, Floating on that back leg, getting deep into that hip. Like you can Crazy. tell that's what he wants to do. He uses his body really well. Uh, he is going to command a bag as he comes over. You want to get to Javier Assad real quick? Yeah, Assad's the last one that we like got a look at in the quarter semis and final. Um, after that, we'll just fly through the other guys in their performance. But I do want to get to Assad. He threw two appearances. Both came out of the bullpen. Five and two-thirds innings, two hits, no runs, six strikeouts, and a walk. He was up to 97, I do believe, against yes. the U.S. And then he he shoved again against Puerto Rico in the quarters. Javier Assad looked great. And if he doesn't crack the Cubs opening day rotation, I don't think he will. I think that this guy would be an awesome reliever and be ready as the sixth starter. Can we talk about the the two appearances that he made out of the bullpen were against two of the best lineups in, in, in this tournament, right? Wow. He goes three innings against the United States and one hit, no runs, no walks, two Ks. Then he comes out for two and two thirds in a crazy environment at Lone Depot Park against Puerto Rico. In a heavily Puerto Rican environment, 95% Puerto Ricans, I'm sure. And it was intense. Two and two thirds, one hit, no runs, one walk, four Ks. You talk about how he hits 97 in that outing. He punched out Martin Maldonado. He punched out, uh, I'm, I'm looking through Christian Vasquez, Eddie Rosario. He punched out, I mean, like, uh, this is insane. Like, he was overmatching some of the better hitters in the game. And then also, I mean, really, the only guy I think that got a hit off of him was Francisco Lindor and MJ Melendez walked. Um, so this is this is somebody that just rose to the occasion there and and was not worried about anything. And if you look at the way he was locating, you look at the the zone chart. Yeah, it is like straight on the edges all the way around. Like he was spotting because he's always had to do that. Right. Assad with the Cubs coming up through that system was always overlooked because he had no stuff. Right. Like just the stuff wasn't there. It was six pitches and pinpoint command, try to just be perfect in each spot and get guys to get themselves out. His stuff is ticked up now, and he still has that command. That's how you get a solid big league pitcher. Yeah, man. I, I'm all the way in on Javier Assad because we needed something positive to happen in the stuff department. Fastball velo, that's as stuff as I needed it to be. Yep. And the rest of it all kind of ticked up alongside. So I think Assad will be a rotation piece for them by June. I really do, and and I, I think it's going to happen relatively relatively quickly because we talked about him on the Just Baseball show recently. Like that rotation's a little shaky. Assad, I think, is extremely reliable and proved a lot. Yeah. Um. All right. I I just want to kind of fly through the rest of these guys. Just I will let you know how they fared in the WBC across ho uh, however many games sample, and uh, if you have any takeaways on these guys, we can spend some more time on them. If it's you know, par for the course, hope they do well in whatever system we can move right along. So we'll start with two Italians in pool A and then a Panamanian. I think that's what it is for Panama, right? Yes. Um, Panamanian, of course. Panama, of course. Uh, Dominic Fletcher. Let's start with him. 
better batting average than his brother, David. How about it? Five games with seven for 19, which is a 368 clip across those five games. Two doubles, a homer, four RBIs, four walks, and three Ks. Dominic Fletcher had a great WBC. Man, this guy just hits, right? Like we talked about it in the, in the preview. He just hits. And, and I think he's somebody that doesn't really get phased by some pretty high level competition. And he gives you good at bats. I want to see more of this guy on the big stage. And also it's worth noting, he was three for four against Japan. In the three quarters. for four with a homer against yeah. Japan. That's arguably the best pitching staff in this whole thing right there with the DR. So it wasn't like he was just beating up on, on the Netherlands and beating up on some of these other teams. Like he was good against everybody. So for that reason, man, I still believe that he deserves big league looks early this year. And I hope he gets them. I think he had a little bit of a bloop single off of Shohei, if I'm not mistaken. And then had a couple other impressive at bats as well. Like, this is a guy that deserves more consistent ABs, and I hope he gets him at the big league level. But it's obviously a very good outfield over there in Arizona, so we'll see. Do you know if that homer came against Darvish? Because Darvish came out of the bullpen in that quarter. I am looking right now. He struck out the second. No, dude, he had two hits off of Shohei, and then the homer came off of, I believe it was Darvish, man. Yeah. So I think that tells you all you got to know. Like, that's insane. I do think that he should get an opportunity. I I hope Kyle Lewis fares well, but I think he should be getting opportunities ahead of Kyle Lewis. Homer was off of Darvish and two hits off of Shohei. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Um, all right. Sal Freelich, five games. He was seven for 23, which is a 304 clip. Three doubles, four driven in. He walked. He struck out twice in 23 at-bats. And he was one for one in the stolen base department. So Sal, I think, proved that he is brewer ready. We'll yeah. see if it's Garrett Mitchell or Sal Freelich. I think it's going to be Garrett. I think that's why they let him go to the WBC. I think they're just going to they want the extra year of control for Sal. Like, you know, Sal's going to be a good big leaguer. So, you know, that he, that's somebody that you want that extra year of control of. And I think Mitchell earned a, a look. But Sal did what Sal does, right? He, he had one offer in the tournament, I believe. And it was just against Japan in that same game where he had to face Shohei and Yu Darvish. That's OK. It's it's permissible to go over five in that game. Uh, but he pretty much had a hit in every single other game, multi-hit games in multiple occasions against Panama and the Netherlands. He just hits, man. We we know how good this guy is. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Jose Ramos with Panama. Four games. He was five for 16, so he hit just over 300 uh, with a homer. He walked. He struck out five times, and he was one for two in the stolen base department. Jose Ramos was was thrusted into a really difficult situation because he is very far off. Uh, he didn't look overmatched, which was really cool. Yeah, and also a guy that played some decent teams relative to what he's faced, right? He faces the Netherlands, he faces Cuba, he faces Italy, and had hits in all of those games. So to your point, yeah, and then he goes to spring training and hit has been hitting there too. Ramos is, is definitely somebody that exceeded our expectations, right? I mean, we're looking at a big whiff guy in the lower minors, and he put together some good ABs. I'm, I'm interested to see if he can kind of keep that rolling. Yeah, I, I'm just curious, like the level of competition that he saw in the WBC compared to lower minors pitching, because that Taiwan group was not great at all. Um, you know, it was what Chinese Taipei, the Netherlands, Cuba and Italy that joined Panama in there. So, like, you're not necessarily seeing major league pitching. No, he, he wasn't challenged, but 
I mean, it couldn't have been worse than, than, you know, the low a lower level pitching that he's seen. So I'm interested to see how he continues. Yeah. Um, all right. Two guys in group B that were not in Japan. We already talked about Sasaki Yamamoto and Murakami. Jung Hu Lee and Beiko Gung for Korea. Gung is the first baseman, you know, powerful guy, packs a punch. He had a really, really good pool play. Four games. He was seven for 14 with two doubles, two RBIs, and three punch outs. If I'm not mistaken, he's just a big power guy and, and he'll probably come over soon. Yeah, and I think that's why he he wanted to make it a point to to have a nice tournament. That's it's always a little bit harder projecting the KBO guys, uh, but this is one of those guys that is going to be a masher that comes over. That I think it's all that, but I think you can expect kind of like that G Man Choi type, something like that. Maybe it could be a little bit better. Yeah, one of the names uh, that's in the free agent pool that might command uh, some serious coin, maybe a you know sixty seventy million dollar guy is Jung Hu Lee from South Korea. Four games with six for 14, which is a 430 clip, two doubles, five RBIs, two walks, just one strikeout and 14 at-bats, and he stole a base on his only attempt. I I think he passed the audition with flying colors for free agency next year. Yeah, another guy that had a really solid game against Japan. Yeah, like, of course, he also played the Czech Republic and played China, and, like, those are games that, you know, you maybe got to take with a grain of salt a little bit, but... He had a hit against Yu Darvish. He had a hit against Imanaga. He had a hit against Matsui. So it, this is somebody that also like flashed some impressive exit velocity. Popped to 107 because that power is not totally the part of his game. He's really toolsy and interesting, like around the board. So I, I thought this was another dude that really helped his case, even in a short little cameo. As, as we brace for him to come over here, I think this is a really underrated, intriguing prospect relative to the Japanese guys. For sure. Now it's all affiliated guys as we move stateside to Pool C, which was in Phoenix. Jordan Diaz of Columbia sucked. Four <laughs> games, 0 for 10, a walk and three oh. punch outs. I'm not worried about Diaz after this. Um, there were some guys on that real team, you know, even one of them is teammate, uh, Zach Geloff in the, uh, in the Oakland A's system. Like Geloff and Diaz both go back to A's camp hitless, like Ofer in the WBC. And, and that's unfortunate. I'm not too worried about Diaz. I, I was I thought I thought that Diaz would be all right in this tournament. I thought Geloff would be overmatched. Obviously, they, you know, Diaz is just hit. So it was surprising. But again, it's like 10 at bats, right? Look at what he did in triple A last year. Right. I'm not worried about it. Hitter. Yeah. Would have liked to seen a better tournament from him, but you know, maybe he just wasn't ready. It wasn't like he was punching out left and right, though. I, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, anybody can go over 10 in something like this, especially when you're seeing great pitching like he was being on Columbia, being faced with, you know, Canada, the U.S. and Mexico in that pool as well. hundred uh, percent. Mitch Brad, the Canadian. Listen, Mitch Brad went viral in all the wrong ways. Thank God he got an out. Uh, he went a third of an inning, three hits, six earned, no strikeouts and three walks. You can't take anything from that Brad start. Brad's going to be a good pitcher, man. I, I really believe it. I think he's a, a solid pitching prospect. What a ridiculous invo- situation to have to be put in there. Um, doesn't impact anything uh, in terms of how I feel about him, which is a really solid, you know, mid-level prospect for for the Rangers. Yeah, probably back half, eh, not even back half of the top 10, like probably a name to watch, right, in the 11 to 15 range? Yeah, I would say he's right there in the 13 to 15 range, which is a really solid pitching prospect. He's young, and he's got three pitches that he throws for a strike. Like, that's not going to be enough to get Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Paul Goldschmidt out, though, unfortunately, and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that is okay right now. He's 19 years old. He just finished up a a solid year in low A, where I think he had a mid-twos. Yeah. 
So, uh, Owen Casey, another Canadian, as we fly through Canadians right now. Casey, three games, was three for 13 with a homer and four driven in. He walked and he struck out twice in 13 plate appearances. He looked really good. He looked good, man. I I know that the numbers maybe don't paint the complete, complete picture. This is a guy that's only played in high A, too, right? We're talking about a guy that just is 20 years old um, and has only played at high A. For him to hold his own in, in those games – the at-bats were really good. That was somebody that I made it a point to go watch. You know how I feel about Owen Casey. Uh, yeah. I feel like I'm definitely the high guy on him. But I thought he showed really well overall. I, it, it led me to be even more encouraged going into this year because I just wanted to see how he battled against some older competition, and I thought he did just that. He battled. He also crushed a home run um, and, and showed some of the power that he's got too. I'm really excited about Casey this year, man. I've been scooping up his cards. I'll tell you that. Good. Good. You are higher on Casey than most. I know you are also lower on Denzel Clark than most. And Denzel Clark really, really struggled. Three games was 0 for 8 with a walk and five strikeouts and eight at-bats. He was one for one in the stolen base department. We know that the athleticism and the speed is there. Question has always been bat to ball, right? And he just didn't really show it at all. Yeah, another guy that was kind of set up really, really tough here, right? I mean, we're talking about somebody that swung and missed a ton in the lower levels. Um, He's a 68% zone contact guy. Like, he's got a lot to figure out. He's tooled to death. Like, he is, he's got some of the most insane athleticism you're going to see on a baseball field. But we, we, we both said going into this, like, this guy's going to have a tough time. And he did. And that's okay. I'm sure he learned a lot just being there, which is always great. Yeah, I'm willing to take my victory lap on Edouard Julien right now, if you want yeah, me you to. Can. You, can, you can cash in that ticket. <laughs> Julien, four games with seven for 13. So he slashed 538, 667, 1154 slug. Like he had an 1821 OPS. Two doubles, two homers, two RBIs, five walks, five punch outs. Uh, and he was one for one in the stolen base department. Seven hits. Five walks, two homers, and an 1,800 OPS over four games will play. Oh, yeah, that, that tends to play. Yeah. Um, dude, this guy was hitting at the top of the lineup for them, and like he looked like a big leaguer. I think if you took somebody uh, that didn't know much about baseball and just had them watch the game, they would probably assume that he was like a five- or six-year vet just with the way he carried himself. He commanded the at-bats. The game looked slow for him. He also showed the power. He showed the approach. He's ready, man. He's ready, which is crazy because he hasn't played much in the upper levels or at least above double A, but guy that's hit at every stop. And then again, just looked like one of the most polished hitters on that team, which had big leaguers on it. Just kind of shows you he blended right in with the big leaguers. I think you got to make some space for Julianne if you're the Minnesota Twins. And they're they're they got to make space in general. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle things. There's a lot of guys in that lineup. But Julian's a guy that I think could help them immensely, um, especially if somebody goes down. But honestly, I think he could be a better option than some of the guys they have starting. It should be really interesting. Go, go trade some of those bats for another three starter. Go get yes. like eight three eight starters. Threes. I'm <laughs> yeah. in on that. That'd be perfect. Uh, Otto Lopez with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, again, with Team Canada, we got two more Canada guys, including Lopez. Four games. Otto Lopez was five for 17 with a triple, a homer, drove in six. He walked once and he punched out once in 17 at bats. So Otto Lopez had a really good showing. I don't really know much about Otto Lopez. So is this like kind of par for the course with him? Does he have juice like this? It's kind of, you know, I think he's can sneak you like sneaky 
pop some balls in and out sometimes where you're like, oh, well, there, there's Otto Lopez. But I think with, with him, like that was exactly what he does, which is grind at bats, put the ball in play and surprise you with a home run every once in a while. Lopez, again, another guy that that looked the part out there, though. He was a guy that looked comfortable with the game, didn't look. You could t- you could tell the difference. That was the number one thing I was looking at with these prospects is not as much the, the, the numbers was how fast does the game look for them? It didn't look that fast for Lopez either. Yeah, no, it didn't look fast at all for him. And then Bo Naylor is the only guy and the game did look fast for him. Four yeah. games, he was two for 14. He did hit a homer, drove in three. He walked three times, but he struck out seven times in 14 at-bats. Naylor, I know you were watching how he was receiving. I know you tuned into that Canada-Great Britain game intentionally. Um, how, how do you feel about Naylor the defender and then Naylor the uh, ready hitter? I think he I think he looked good defensively overall. I think that may have impacted the offense a little bit, right? He's he's catching some big league guys. Um, I think he wanted to make sure that he held his own in that regard. And I thought he did, but he definitely just looked a little out of sorts with the bat. He's a guy that that you know really made some major adjustments last year. And and I think that he was still trying to get back into the swing of things, quite literally, getting getting those moves back down, getting his timing. He's a very rhythmic hitter. And he just seemed like he was out of rhythm the whole tournament and still had to focus on catching. It was a tough spot for a young guy to be in. I'm not worried about it. And I thought the defense, which was a big thing that I was looking at, was, was really solid. How about Harry Ford? Four games was four for 13 with a double and two bombs, four driven in, uh, two walks, five punch outs, and a uh, an elementary school in Great Britain uh, saying that Harry Ford is their hero. Absolutely awesome. He was not phased by some tough matchups. Uh, the approach, we knew it was good. We knew it was ahead of his years. He doesn't chase. Uh, but man, it, it's it's another thing to see a good approach against better stuff, right? Where it's harder to take pitches like that. He took pitches well. He showed us that he's got some pop. And the catching was great. There were some times, there were some lapses with the blocking where you're like, oh, you should probably, you know, get there a little bit differently or get there a little sooner or like don't turn the glove over some small fundamental things here and there, but the receiving was better. Uh, the catch and throw looked better, which were two things I was really looking at. And I st- still thought the blocking, like there'd be one area where he he didn't block right, but then the, there'd be another ball in the dirt and he, he'd adjust and block it better. This is a kid that's I think going to stick behind the dish and, and showed really well. I'm so excited for Harry Ford this year. And that got me even more excited, even if, even though it was just a few games. I think it really shows you what he's got between the years and how physically talented he is too. Did he spend the entire year in low A last year? Yes. And I think that was just to really focus on the catching, not get him in fight or flight mode at the plate, you know, also. So do you think starts in high may end in double? Yes. Okay. 100%. Got you. Um, Tanaj Thomas hardly threw. He got yeah. one out. He allowed a hit and an earned run. Like, can't take anything away about Tanaj Thomas. Can't take anything away about Dominic Hamill either, who didn't even throw for Puerto Rico. He, I think yeah. he was slated to throw yeah, in a quarter something. against Mexico, but he didn't. Like, I don't know. That was really weird. Anthony Maldonado did throw an inning uh, in the Marlins system for Puerto Rico. He threw an inning. It was a one, two, three inning with two punch outs. Maldonado is a major league reliever, I think, right now. He's going to be in that Marlins bullpen early in this year, I think. You know, he's not going to start because they don't have him on the 40 men yet. And I think they have some 40 men thing they have to figure out right now. There's no reason to just make it a bigger crunch, but the second they have some 40 man clarity or someone gets hurt, I think he's going to be one of the first guys to come up. That's one of the best sliders in the minor leagues. It's incredible. And the fastball is insane too. It's, it's awesome. that bully ball fastball that I talk about. Um, Zach Geloff sucked <laughs> again. We talked about him four games over 13 struck out seven 
times walked once. I mentioned it going in when I saw him in the Arizona Fall League. I love the way he plays. I think he's a really well-rounded player. He he has a professional approach, but there's just too much swing and miss there right now. And against higher level competition, it just seems to get blown up by fastballs a little bit. He's got some things he needs to figure out. And I think he's going to be a guy that probably spends the whole year in triple, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, the, this was somebody that was kind of fast tracking and some of the underlying metrics, zone contact, things like that. We're, we're kind of flagging, maybe not fast tracking him. And I think we kind of saw why he needs a little bit more time in the minors. Yeah. C- Colton Gordon got blown up at Astros prospect. Um, was it Venezuela or the DR? Do you remember? Uh, I was excited about Colton Gordon too. I wanted to see how he would do. Um, let he me see. was terribly, but against like a far superior lineup. It was either Venezuela or the Dominican Republic. And we know how good those lines Both of were. which are permissible. Yes, uh, like he he threw an inning, four hits. It was four, Puerto Rico. It was Puerto Rico. It was Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's still an excellent lineup. But but uh, an inning, four hits, four earned, two walks, no case. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. He he retired Francisco Lindor, and then right, <laughs> and then retired Kike Hernandez, and then walked MJ Melendez, single Emmanuel Rivera, double Javi Baez, double Eddie Rosario, walks Nelson Velasquez. And then uh, retired Neftali Soto um, and then gave up a, a hit to Martin Maldonado. So all, all big leaguers pretty much just just ambushed him. Um, but he, he almost got out of it. One, two, three. That's the crazy thing about baseball and why it sucks. Uh, yeah. But now I, I'm still kind of interested in Gordon. I think he's got some interesting stuff. Still a yeah. name worth watching in the Astros system. A hundred percent. The Astros may need that starter depth. Again, it looks like McCullers may be, you know, shelved right now, although Gordon is a bit farther off. Uh, than some of those other guys. And it looks like Hunter Brown might have gotten tweaked too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's dealing with something. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, two more guys on, on Israel. Spencer Horwitz, brutal. Four games, two for 11. A run driven in, but no walks and seven Ks and 11 at bats. He is a Blue Jays prospect that is probably like bouncing between triple and maybe the bench of the Blue Jays yeah. team. Um, but Horwitz, he was outmatched. This I like I like him offensively. I really do. I think he's better than that. Um, I think the, the 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 offensive woes were a bit contagious for Israel. Matt Mervis struggled too, which we'll get to. But yeah. um, one thing I can say unequivocally with Horwitz, he is not an outfielder. Goodness no. gracious. It was a disaster out there, uh, which is a shame because I was hoping that that would help him kind of solidify a spot on the bench. He can't play the outfield, so he's going to be at first base. Um That'll probably keep him in AAA for for a longer part of the year. I still do believe in the bat being above average. Yeah. And then Merv, Matt Mervis with the Cubs, four games, was one for 13, struck out five times and walked once. His timing was just off, right? His timing was off. Um, He was hitting cleanup for them. (laughs) So it's a tough spot to be in. I talked to him before the game and he said he just he left spring training still feeling off and kind of had a feeling that it was going to be a little bit hard to, to, to get things going. He did have some line outs and stuff like that, but uh, he, he mentioned before the game, my timing's still just a little off. I don't totally feel there. And then I saw him swing through some fastballs. He normally crushes happens. It's March. Not worried about Merv. I'll take the 160 game sample that we got last year between uh, high a double A and triple A in the fall league over a, a handful of games in the death pool. That was Miami. Yeah, I think that's rational. I think that's a rational take from you. Thank you. Milkar Perez, <laughs> two games, one for four, a walk, two Ks. He is in the Mariners system. Nothing there. Better for than me. I thought. 
Yeah, like hey, a hit. Like 180 last year in low A or high A. Yeah. Like it better than I thought. So good, good for Milcar. Yeah. And then Carlos Rodriguez, you mentioned Nicaragua and the Brewers system. He started a game against Puerto Rico. Four innings, two hits, one run, three punch outs, and a walk. He really was spectacular. He was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. I, I'm I'm excited to, to follow him because we talked about him in the beginning, you know, as as Hey, don't sleep on this guy. He might be one of their better arms. And and he was probably their best arm. His changeup is a plus pitch. I mean, going looking at that video, he got Lindor to swing really badly a couple of times on some nasty changeups. The fastball has sneaky good shape to it in, in like the low 92, 93 range. Uh, and the slider is not a bad pitch. He's got a legit three-pitch mix. Like, I think this guy could be a back-end-of-the-rotation starter. He's just 21 years old. Rodriguez is probably one of the more interesting rising prospects in that Brewer system. Yeah, I can see that. All right, we're done, man. We just ran through everybody that we previewed on JustBaseball.com as, like, the prospects to watch, and, and some fared exceptionally well, um, like in Edouard Julien. Yep. Some didn't. Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's how it goes. But uh, it was really fun to be able to watch all of these guys in that WBC and we're going to be right back onto our regular schedule moving forward now that we're kind of settled back in again and don't have craziness with the WBC. Uh, excited to get some more top 10s or I guess top 15s and farm system rundowns for you and continue just kind of trucking away at this top 100 here. Uh, before we know it, the season will be coming around and we'll be talking about you know, some of the teams to look out for in the minor leagues once we get those assignments as well. But very excited to continue to do that and expect couple episodes a week moving forward and going out throughout the season here. As always, thank you for listening. You can take a second to subscribe to our YouTube and or leave a rating on the podcast side of things. We really appreciate it. We look forward to talking prospects with you early next week.